Hey everybody, this is Let Me Know How It Is, a podcast about all things geek. Today, we're exploring representation in comics. If you're new to the show, welcome. We'd appreciate it if you follow us on social media. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button as well. Thanks for listening. All right, tonight we're talking representation in comics. This is an important topic that has gained some traction over the years, rightfully so. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. I'm Tommy Smithereens. I'm Clifton. All right, so let's dive right in. Well, I, I'm going to say I wanted a little push for this particular subject because this, the uh, topic came up in my head when I saw this new uh, Far Sector comic by DC in which DC introduces a a wholly new Green Lantern by the name of Sojourner Joel Mullen, in which she's granted a Green Lantern ring into a sector that's well beyond the Guardian's jurisdiction. What made it interesting to me is it was a woman, a black woman of of color, or a black woman, let me just say, in which they just shift her off into a far sector gas without any other Green Lantern ever being there. And they just give her a whole series and um a little bit of a past, but they set her apart from the DC universe as a whole, but still make it within the DC universe, which prompted my thought to, um, this has never happened before with a particular character. They've always been part of a larger uh, group or, you know, they uh, they had a backstory which was helped ushered in from an already established character. But this is a wholly and solely new character. And I sort of had the feelings to how many times have they done that and why does this feel so new? Is she getting launched in another Green Lantern book first? Is she first appearing no, somewhere not at else? All. Or is she or is she going straight to series with like with like a number one and, and that's her first appearance? Straight to series, number one. Oh wow. Separate from the DC universe as a whole, but within the DC universe. Me, I've never heard of them taking such a risk with such a character in that way, shape, or form now. And um, on top of that, it was the uh, brainchild of a woman by the name N.K. Jemison, which is an award-winning author. And um, they just throw her in there and give her own book. And BC says, what you got? And so far, it's been um, an interesting um, storyline is what they created for the character. But I just found it to be weird that they didn't attach it to anything at all especially in an established DC universe, which was strange to me because they've never done that with any other Green Lantern character. Mm-hmm. You know, even with Jon Stewart, there's been um, Hal Jordan, um, even, what's his name, Baz? What's Frank? What was the Baz Simon? Is that his name? The guy with the gun? Are you talking about the, the Muslim one? Yeah, the Muslim one. Even yes. he was ushered in with... Um, Simon, Simon Baz. Simon Baz, thank you. Yeah. He was ushered in too. And then even with um, the, uh, the teenage character, Jessica, Jessica Cruz. Cruz. Jessica Cruz, again, yeah. ushered in. He, um, she, she wasn't wholly, you know, new. She was ushered in again from, um, from the Green Lantern lore, which made her into the character we know nowadays. But this was separated all in itself, just her uh, uh, utilizing her power in a world that is what... The background of the book is she's sent by the Guardians to uh, uphold justice and law in a world that has never seen lawlessness for 500 years. And, um, and it's in a um, metropolis of two, 20 billion people. And for some way, shape, or form, they have a murder. 
Mm. And they don't know why, because they've had such a 500 years of peace. So the guardians feel they want to test her out by sending her into a place outside their jurisdiction to see how she's going to manage this really in-depth detective case. And that's how they introduce it to the DC universe. Yeah, it's part of the young, the young animal imprint, right? It's part of the yeah. with, with Young Justice and uh, Naomi and um, the Wonder Twins. Okay, I see. So, like, it's a, it, okay. That's that's what you meant when you said it was not in the DC universe, but in the DC. Okay, so I understand. What the, I didn't even know Young Animal was still was still an imprint mm-hmm. going on yeah. right now. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like they were doing the stuff with uh, Doom Patrol and uh, Shade the Changing Girl, and then it was what Cape Carson has a cybernetic eye and all that stuff. And then yeah, yeah. when when Gerard Way was kind of running that imprint, right? Yeah. And then Mother and then ben- Panic and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then Bendis came in and basically, like I said, it was like Wonder Twins and Young Justice and uh, Naomi. Yeah, in fact, um, Jamal Campbell, the artist for Naomi, came over and did this particular ah, book. Okay, so it's a good yeah, looking so, book. Oh yeah, it's very it's a very nice looking book. Um, it, it, and rumor had it that some people believe this would be the book that is going to be the DC, uh, excuse me, the Green Lantern show that's rumored to come out of HBO Max because no one has any insight on what that is exactly. But uh, the the way that it's shaped in a in a world completely devoid of other superheroes would make it work in that regard. Yeah, it's definitely different from the idea because normally, like you were saying, Tommy, the idea that you know, any other time a Green Lantern's rolled out, they're rolled out in a Green Lantern book or an mm. event. Like Jessica Cruz was was in um was in Justice League when they were having the Dark Side War. That's basically where she starts out. And then eventually she gets folded into like after rebirth, there's like a Green Lantern book with her and Simon Boz, and then there's Hal Jordan's kind of Green Lantern book. But it's kinda it, it is it's a definite statement to basically put a big stamp on it and say, Well, this is Green Lantern, you know, on far in this far sector, and it's not you know, like you said, it's not tied into, you know, there's no, there's no like backdoor, like they do with other characters kind of pilot for her. It's just sort of like, no, here's your book. Yeah. Holy and soul. Yeah. yeah. So it's one, no, they must believe in it. Yeah. I'd say, yeah. It's one of the things where I, 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 I haven't, I, I haven't read it yet. I'm looking forward to getting to it at some point, but I haven't, you know, it was, we've talked, there's so much stuff, but I, I do like the idea of just being like, no, I, it, it almost to me sounds like Voyager in a way. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Mm. Like Star Trek Voyager, where they're kind of like in an in, in, in out, you know, part of space where no one's ever really heard of the Federation or anything else. And now you got does does it in the book itself? Does it go into her background as to why the Guardians chose her, or is it, they have not gotten that yet? Well, they they're guided to it in a way, but they haven't really in depth. She does have a little bit of history with them. It's almost mirroring the fact that she doesn't trust the Guardians because they have an underlying message. So mm. she jumps at the idea of having to work using the Green Lantern power without having been under their guidance, so to speak. Mm-hmm. At least uh, that's what's been told to me. Um, I've only glanced the first pages of it, but uh, they're trying to make it more, I think, trendy or, or, you know, just certain aspects of it deal with today's society in which it's like, I guess, a person that doesn't really like working with uh, law enforcement, but okay. being that they have, they can make their own decisions without the guidance of, I guess, influence that they're able to, uh, work within law and, you know, have justice in it or whatever. At least that's the, uh, the cliff notes is what it was told to me. I haven't really, uh, completed the first issue yet. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's interesting because Green Lantern, I think as far as DC goes, has like been the vehicle for a lot of 
representation, right? Because, uh, I mean, you have Jon Stewart and everything, and like we were saying, Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz and everything, but like a lot of people forget that Kyle, Kyle Rayner, like his father is Mexican-American, you know? And, um, and, oh, there's one more I had in my head that I, that I'm blanking on right now. Alan Scott, Alan Scott, when, when, when it was, when it was revealed, uh, what, I guess, was it new 52 at that point when, when they revealed that, that he was a gay man? Well, it was, it it was, I I don't know if they got to new 52. As far as I know, it wasn't done until they did the earth two stuff when they basically, um, they wanted to do like the just society characters, but they didn't want to do them. They didn't want to be so, it seemed like they didn't want to be so tied down to world war two. Right. And, and they sort of subbed in, um, the, the, they sub in dark side for Hitler and then basically the parademons and all the others for, for like SS and for the, for the troopers, stormtroopers. That was what the kind of like where they shift that. And then they did a lot of redesigns on the characters. And when they did that, they redesigned Alan Scott and made him, made him into a gay character. And it's one of those things where up until that point, I don't, you know, I don't know if that, like I said, I'm pretty sure that's where it starts is during Earth 2. Okay. Okay. But it's one of those things where in, in now it's interesting that you bring that up, uh, Zach, because in the, the 80th anniversary special, the one that's coming up for, um, for Green Lantern, there's a story that, that again makes it that Alan Scott in, in, in current continuity is indeed gay, right? Right. So it's one of the things where I guess that's, that's, you know, that's the change that they've made and they're sticking with it, even though it made, like I said, I'm not really sure where it started. Right. No, it's like it. it uh, the thing I've always thought, too, is that, like, I like Hal Jordan a lot. I think, you know, I think he's a fun character in certain people's hands and everything. But, you know, we've always talked, Frank and, and Clifton, how, like, DC had a real chance with Jon Stewart when Justice League Unlimited was going on. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And, and, and you guys were telling me that, like, the people would come into the store. Yeah, we both worked in a comic shop at yeah. the time. Together in the same it's, shop. Right. Same comic shop. <laughs> yeah, the people would come into the store. Like kids would come into the store and see Hal Jordan like on a comic cover or Kyle Rayner on a comic cover, be like, Why is Green Lantern white? Right. Yeah, there was a lot of that. There, I mean, outside yeah. of like you had I mean they had at that time they had, you know, the Just League Unlimited like comic or Justice League or you know, stuff that tied into the animated, but there was a lot of people that were kind of confused that you know, well, you know, the John, the, the Green Lantern they knew was black. They didn't know that there was, you know, there's no real mention of, of Hal in, in, in the in Just League Unlimited stuff. So it was definitely one of those things where, you know, DC kind of had a shot, like you said, they had a shot at really pushing him forward. And even like when there was, there was the Justice League movie that was um, done by the guy who directed, uh, who was supposed to be directing, who directed Fury Row. He was supposed to be making a Justice League movie at one oh, point. Oh, uh, the George Miller one. Yeah. Yeah. That that was there was for a long time there was talk of that that John Stewart was going to be the Green Lantern and that even though they had had the Ryan Reynolds movie that they were going to push him to the forefront and then it didn't happen you know there was there was I think the writers strike is what did that movie in. Are you talking about where he was supposed to uh, the Common was supposed to re- play the role yeah. of John Stewart? Yeah, Common, I like that. they like they like if you go online there's shots of um, I think the set the group that they put together for that like getting together to meet and like you know talk through roles and talk through casting or not to the casting but talk through like you know how they're going to work together as a team and and i believe common was the one that was up for that part so but yeah it was it was we definitely were people that you know didn't quite get it you know there, or to them the, their experience was indeed that john stewart was green lantern and there was you know why there might be other alien ones there weren't really on earth any other green lantern so yeah, it was the only one the kids knew from the show right yeah absolutely and it, yeah, and it's just unfortunate because like the comic books didn't reflect that much. I mean, he was 
he was in Green Lantern Corps. And that was when right. they were rolling with that idea of of like that every lantern had a sector and a partner, essentially, yeah. right? And like and Hal and John were partners. But I just remember like and I, I was reading Lantern a fair amount, like on and off at that point, because that's when we were getting like, you know, lead up to Infinite Crisis and, you know, ultimately into Blackest Night and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just like like John Stewart never really got the um the attention I think that that he should have, mm-hmm. considering how well he's portrayed in the cartoon. And I think that stuff in the cartoon stuck. I, I think right it, if Frank, you would know this, if I'm not mistaken, like John Stewart was revealed to be a Marine in the show first, right. mm-hmm. and then the comics sort of followed suit with that. Yeah, it's definitely one of right. those things where before that, I you know, I don't recall if, if, if there was anything about military again, he was any kind of military background before just League Unlimited stuff. And it definitely, you know, the 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 discipline that you can see in the character that was there before like before the the, the 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 animated and then after there's a big difference and a big shift because you had like stuff like Cosmic Odyssey was kind of like his biggest moment, people would argue. I mean, yeah. granted, he had out of uh was it Emerald not Emerald Dawn, what's the What's the one where Hal goes and basically decides he's going to fix Coast City? That's right around the time of Death of Superman, right? Mm-hmm. So out of yeah. that is when is when you have Mosaic, which is John Stewart's only real Green Lantern solo series, which Tommy and I have read, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in which they put um, different worlds together on a, a planet in which he has to um, law or enforce law on that planet yeah. through their different um, ethnicities or alien like groups or whatever. It's kind of like a, like, a, like a patchwork planet, right? Yeah, definitely a patchwork planet. But yeah, and he's basically the guy in charge. And then it's basically this, you know, he gets, at one point, he, he becomes a guardian, doesn't he? If I remember correctly. Yeah, they, yeah, they elevate him to a different status. That's when they were given like honor guard or mm-hmm. different lanterns at certain status. And he is elevated to that status at one point in his career, at least. But I thought mm-hmm. he was also considered an architecture too. Wasn't he architecture? The character? An architect? Yeah. yeah. An yeah. architect. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But they definitely fleshed out their character enough to give him uh, more grounding to be part of the uh, Justice League, right, Frank? Sure. Well, I mean, it, it, the other thing about it that I think is interesting that that you know, um, I like, well, I read all the Milestone comics with with Static. I read all of them, but I didn't watch the show all that much. Mm-hmm. But the I did see the episode. There's there's a couple episodes where it's Green Lantern and Static team up together, and I think that again for representation was a really big deal. The idea that you know. Green Lantern, the one that the only Green Lantern there was, was you know the one that's on Static. I think there's a couple episodes, and I think they're both they're both Phil. Are they both Philomar that does the voice? I want to say I know he he does the voice for Green Lantern. I'm not I'm not sure if he did another voice for Static. You yeah, think I, he did. I thought he did. I thought he was Static's voice, but I could be wrong because he did. You know, he does a fair. Because I thought it was, but anyway, it was it was a cool. They're good episodes to see them together because again, you know. I don't feel like, especially in, in animated stuff, there's not a lot of, there wasn't a lot of uh, characters of color. You know, Super Friends tried to do that with, you know, Black Vulcan and and El Dorado and Samurai, but they're <laughs> yeah. they're 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 pretty, you know, they're pretty much, you know, they're pretty much representations that are, you know, they're pretty stereotypical. They're not right, real. Right. You know, nobody has powers that doesn't, you know, that isn't sort of tied to a culture that they're part of, and that's kind right. of weird, but. You know, that that's one of those things where like I remember those episodes in particular where, you know, you had team granted there was other teams with Batman, Superman, and Static, but those in particular the, the Green Lantern ones I thought were really good just for representation, obviously. 
And it was it was Phil Lamar doing double duty. He was stand up yeah. as well. He was Virgil yeah. Hawkins as well as um right um John Stewart. Because I thought I remember from the Just League Unlimited when they go to the future in the in the Once a Future thing that when they talked to Old Man Bruce and they also Old Man Bruce Wayne and they also talked to older Static. Yeah, he's you know it's one of those scenes like Kevin Conroy does a scene together with himself, but Phil Lamar has done the same thing as well. So I find it an odd choice from um, not using um, John Stewart to interject Cyborg into it. And, yeah. and then regress to Hal Jordan, and it, the the irony of that is, it's because that Cyborg was on superpowers back in the day. He was, in which they, yeah. in which they felt he needed to be part of the Justice League. Ernie Hudson did the voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, I, 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 you know, it's one of those things where, like, when I, I remember when 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 they first did uh, New Fifty Two, and I saw that Jeff Johns was was taken, you know, uh, Vix, you know, into the, it, Cyborg into the Justice League. That was my first thought. Was okay, well. You know, you're just fulfilling the childhood dream or the childhood remembrance of having him on Superpower with the Galactic Guardians team, right? Mm-hmm. That was why you were doing it because, you know, I mean, for me, I mean, Vic is, is he's part of the new Teen Titans. He always will be. Right. But I mean, I understand for representation why they would want a character of color to be on the Justice League because otherwise it's Wonder Woman and, you know, five white guys in the Martian Manhunter otherwise, yeah. right? I think I, also, yeah. though, I mean, I do think as far as his power set and everything, like, like one, once... You know things like the iPhone came along and stuff like that. Like we saw, like like <laughs> right. how how we are walking with technology in our pockets at all time and everything. Like it suddenly like gave Cyborg like an upgrade. You know, I think from a power set also that it, that they were trying to kind of like push him into into using wrestling talk to like main event status. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That they were like, no, like this is this is this is a character now that we think has has some real juice to him, and we think that. We think that the, the the climate can make for his powers to be sort of uh, even more important and even more amazing than what he's been in in the eighties when he came out. You know, sure. Well, I mean, but my the only thing about that, I remember the time was a lot of people are like, well, that's all great and well and good, and he's you know he sort of integrates with the mother box early on, and then you know once he's open able to open boom tubes, he's kind of like the chauffeur for the for the Justice League. Yeah, that's what you're <laughs> and, saying. Right, yeah, right. And they don't <laughs> and they don't really let you know. There's not really. You know, they don't really let him do anything. And I think that was one of the things where we, we were talking, we were talking about doing this topic, like Tom and I were talking about the fact that I'm all, you know, representation is, you know, it's absolutely necessary. It's one of those things where, you know, it's hard to identify with characters that don't look like you, right? Or don't have experiences like you. But yeah. I, I think, I think it's one of those things where with Cyborg, I'm like, I'm all for, you know, I'm all for putting that character at a, at a higher status because I think he deserves it. He's, you know, he's a great character. But I think you, you know, one of the things where you have to have it where in, in a sense that, it serves story or you're going to be willing to devote the time to that character. Right. You know, I yeah. think it's one of those things where you have to do that, do right by that character and give characters that moment to shine. If you're going to basically say, if you're going to give them that status, right. It's not enough to just put them on the marquee. Right. right? And I think yeah. in a lot of ways with cyborg, especially it was like, well, we got him on the marquee and then, you know, and then didn't really, I mean, I think like, and again, getting back to John's run on, on uh, justice league, like when, when the, when it, when it happens with, um, Oh, what's it? Forever Evil? Is that what it is? Yeah. 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 Forever Evil went yeah, um, a few years in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Forever Evil comes, I mean, a lot of what, you know, a lot of the stuff that with, with Cyborg, he gets some moments there because of Grid, because of the opposite, you know, the, the Earth uh, 3, <laughs> the counterparts mm-hmm. of the, the crime syndicate, you get some moments there where, where he's, you know, dealing with stuff and he kind of saves the day. But I, it's one of the things where I, I, I was, you know, I remember talking over with someone about the idea of, well, who else could they have chosen? For that lineup, who else could they have plugged in, you know, in, that that, yeah, that could have represented, you know, 
another someone other than like I said, five white guys, Wonder Woman and the Martian Manhunter. Right. No, but what you were saying earlier, I agree with you. It should have been John Stewart, but I find it weird that they would bring him in and then retcon his history as if he wasn't part of the Teen Titans, where everybody knows him. Well, yeah, yeah. Then they also use that same thing to introduce Jessica Cruz because mm-hmm. remember when she was brought in, right. she was from another universe in which the ring was was it Volthoom? Volthoom yeah. was yeah yeah it was mm-hmm. it was she, yeah power. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was no, I was gonna say well, she does a, a face turn as from a villain villain to being a hero. Yeah, power the power ring the wing the wing the power ring ring that she gets because power ring gets wiped out early if I remember correctly in Forever Evil. Yes chooses her and thinks it's going to basically torture her while it's being, you know, make and she basically fl- ends up flipping around on him or on the Powering ring. the crime syndicate. Yes. Character, yes. Right. The yes. crime Power- syndicate yes. version of green lantern. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's good. His, name, I know it's his a- name is power ring. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a little, it's a, yeah, it's a little on the nose, but yeah, it's, it's a, uh, if we, from the, you know, from the like sixties when, when the crime syndicate was first introduced. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that, that character does, you know, is introduced that way because of, you know, because of that ring. Well, I mean, you said something uh, uh, a minute ago that I, that, you know, I wanted to jump off and, and say something you said. So like representation was important because it's not easy to see, to, to sort of um, identify with the characters if they don't look like you. And I remember reading an article like 10 years ago, and this was like, it was, it was just made up of like fan accounts on their experience of reading comics. And they were, and mm-hmm. these, these were all fans that were of, you know, minorities and essentially, and they, and one of the, like the most heartbreaking account I read was they said that essentially like w- when they were in bed at night, like dreaming of superpowers and stuff like that, or when they're mm-hmm. daydreaming about superpowers that they always, right. they always envision themselves as a white man. Mm. And I oh, was wow. like, and that was the first kind of like moment that, that I was like, Oh wow. Like, yeah. you know, like that's, that's really unfortunate. That kind of sucks that like, you yeah. know, because I don't, I don't have that, you know, that experience reading them, you know no. what I mean? Because, because no. I'm a white person, you know? Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's absolutely heartbreaking. The idea that, you know, I, you know, I, I have never had that experience. I've never had that. I've never, you know, <laughs> I've never had that at all. I mean, but that's, but that's kind of what exploded um the character of Miles Morales, wasn't it? That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause Spider-Man, um, the people in the envision being Spider-Man, you could, anyone could represent him in the character, and, and you couldn't determine what ethnicity, color, or even sex he was right. based mm-hmm. upon how the costumes designed and made uh, for Peter. Right. Um, they came into that whole discussion of uh, what was it, uh, Donna Glover yes. being the new Spider-Man at one point, and there was so <laughs> much backlash on that yeah. that it eventually came to fruition. You know, yeah. He even does something in his stand up where he's like he's like, people are getting upset about me being the new Spider Man. He's like, I you know, why would why would that be a problem? And he makes a joke about he's like it's like saying, you know, people are saying, Well, let's be like Michael Sarah being Shaft. He's like, I'd watch a Michael Sarah Shaft movie every day of the week. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's like, That would be amazing. Are you out of your mind? Why wouldn't you want to watch that? But no, yeah, they they and they tease it, you know, we, we, we I think we talked about another episode where they tease the you know, they have him in the Spider Man underoos. Yeah, yeah, waking up in the morning. Yeah, yeah, in in the second season, like the opener for Community, but and then doesn't doesn't Bendis like seize on that idea at that point? Oh, he totally seizes the idea. Bendis outright kills Spider Man and makes (laughs) uh, Spider Man uh, a half uh, or Afro Latinx character in which he totally takes over Spider Man, which uh, amazingly enough totally blows up and the character is um, instantly embraced almost. 
Yeah. yeah, but he does right. it in an alternate universe in which it doesn't impede on the current Spider-Man status that's in the current Marvel universe. Yeah, nope. no, and I think I think that that character was so popular, it's so unyieldingly successful. I I think Miles Morales into the Marvel universe proper from the Ultimate Universe is the complete motivation for all the like 2015 Secret War stuff that we got. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I th- I think that is completely. Sure. I th- I think oh, yeah. that I think they had an idea like we want to bring Miles Morales into the Marvel universe. How do we do it? And then built the stunt around it. Yeah, Hickman probably. Yeah, Hickman. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, well, I mean, it's 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 interesting you say that because reading, you know, Tommy, you and I read those those Avengers books mm-hmm. leading up to Secret Wars, and it's definitely, you know, we've talked about it again in another episode the idea that you know it's Marvel doing you know Marvel's doing Crisis. Yeah. You know, Marvel, they, you know, Hickman was like, okay, let's put, let's do it. Basically, someone had to say, well, we're doing, we're going to do Crisis on Infinite Earths at Marvel. And we're going to look at everything we've done, you know, from alternate worlds. And, and, and I get, I would, you know, it, which leads into like the Spider-Verse stuff, which is basically a spider crisis, you know, where all the various, you know, Dan Slott did the same sort of thing with various, you know, uh, versions of Spider-Man throughout the multiverse. But basically with, with Secret Wars, it's the culmination of all that stuff in Avengers where you have like, you know, er, the, the worlds are starting to merge and you basically have eight hours to choose. Basically, are you going to, are you going to let your world be enveloped by another world and be basically wiped out of existence? You know, and the Avengers and the Illuminati to a bigger sense basically have to deal with that. But I agree with you, um, Zach, the idea that it has to be, it's, you know, that had to be the, you know, a, a mitigating factor was the idea of how in the world are we going to make it palatable to get rid of the ultimate universe for now? Because nobody really wants to do anything with it at the moment, and how can we get Miles Morales into the main Marvel universe? Right. Yeah. You know, and it's and they, awesome. He's there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah it works. You know? oh, it totally works. Yeah. yeah. It's a, you know it's great. Even to the point of you know the fact that um if you you know without spoilers if you have if you've if you've not played the Spider Man PS4 game, you know they do a great job of integrating that character in there as well. Wouldn't you say, Tommy? Yeah. And what I love about it too was that like that they didn't. They didn't overthink it. They didn't be like, well, who like who's Peter Parker going to become and all that. Like they didn't rename. No, no. he didn't become a different character either. Nope. There's just there's just another Spider-Man. There's yeah, just two Spider-Mans in the Marvel Universe and it works fine. And 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 I love that Marvel does that. Yeah, there's no Scarlet Spider situation. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, clone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, none of that. <laughs> yeah, that didn't go so well the first time. Not really. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, they got they got a lot of pub at it. And they got they sold a lot of books, but yeah. But no, what what I like about it is the idea that that as you know, Tommy was saying, you know, Bendis outright, you know, spoilers kills Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe. He has a good, you know, has a good death, quote unquote. And then, um, you know, they bring in Miles, and Miles Miles is just such a great, earnest character that really admired what Spider Man did and wants to keep it going, right? And and I think that that that's a you know, if you're doing a legacy character, now mind you, I'm also I'm of a mind that. And I know people, you know, people always throw this out there. Well, it's so hard to get people into a new character. It's so difficult. <laughs> yeah. It's so difficult. But I think, I think with representation, I think while I love the idea of Miles Morales, Spider-Man, he's an awesome character. And I'm a huge fan. And I love the idea of, you know, a far sector Green Lantern being far and away from the rest of the DC universe doing her own thing. Those are examples of characters that were, you know, at one point white and now they're being, you know, I think it'd be better if, it, like, I'm a much more of an idea of, like, I think like Naomi's a great example, right? Where basically it's a character unto herself that's not a, it's not a legacy character. It's not a character that's taking a name from somebody else. They're doing their own thing. And I wish that we got more of that as opposed to just sort of, like, 
I don't know how to explain it to you. I mean, I don't know how to articulate it properly. It's just the idea that I think there, there needs to be more original characters of color and, you know, of different, you know, um, ethnicities. Yeah. More, more ethnicities as well as, you know, of, of, of sexual preference. I think all that stuff is important. And I, and I want that to be more, you know, I think original stuff is important too. Not that I think that, that I think that it has to be that anything, any legacy character is a bad idea. Cause I think legacy characters are great. But I also think that that's the tendency we go in. Like James Rose takes over for Tony Stark, and right, you know, John Stewart takes over for for uh, for Hal Jordan, and on and on and on. And that's great. But I think part of representation is is someone being like, no, I'm I'm, I'm cyborg. You know, right. I'm <laughs> I'm what's another good example? I'm Storm. Yeah. I'm you know, I'm Luke Cage. Storm like is the- a great example. Yeah, I, I I was I was really itching to get to her, but yeah, no, mm-hmm. finish your thought. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I'm saying is, is well, you know, that's what I, I think, you know, that's why I think I, I think that, you know, I do think representation is important, but I also think that having a character that basically makes a stamp on things and is able to tell that story, because I think a lot of times, you know, a character that does take over a role or takes over a legacy has to deal with all that stuff. Mm. You know, that, yeah, that's yeah. like, it's all baked into their story. And I think, no, you like characters of color and characters of different ethnicities and characters of different sexual preferences and walks of life should be able to have their story told and be just as compelling as, you know, 80, 80 years of Marvel and DC white characters. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, but to me, it's funny that you named Storm because that's the one group that off constantly had different ethnicities thrown in at any given moment or any given storyline is um, the X-Men. Well, I think Marvel in general does that well. No, they do, but for some reason, X-Men would rotate certain ethnicities at certain times depending on the storyline not to say it didn't include white members that are, are at any given time but right you had storm you had Col- well for, for uh for as far as a, a russian person with colossus mm-hmm. um yeah cecilia reyes i'm trying to think as far as um just the different looks and the different you had characters danny, from danny moonstar right, yeah. they had new mm-hmm. mutants you had karma thunderbird yeah thunderbird right jubilee i mean yep. they just constantly threw them in there yep. just to see how they would uh pan out or um you know just um interact with the world as a whole mm-hmm. and on top of that there were mutants as well i just right. thought it would uh um uh, it get it wouldn't get that much backstory other than the fact that if you hit puberty you're a mutant welcome yeah. to the x-men you know yeah right oh yeah yeah well i mean again i think i think it left you know it, it's one of those things where i mean as big as those books got a lot of times you know, a lot of personal stories got lost in the, in the shuffle. I think when you're dealing with, yeah. stri- you know, when you're dealing with strife or Genosha or Exodus every other week, it's, yeah. it's kind of hard to have like, you know, a story that would be, you know, I mean, it's a mutant story. It's obviously a story of like, you know, when people are, you know, it, it's easy to, I mean, and then I say easy in the sense that it, it lends itself, the, the, the premise of the book lends itself to basically telling stories about prejudice and people being racist and bigots and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but I think, Again, you know, I, I still think there's an idea of just the idea that there's not enough, uh, not enough push for being be able to tell those individual stories as well as through that lens of I'm also a mutant. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like certain characters like um, Sunfire didn't get enough play. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took a while to, to finally get to Jubilee's character as far as her backstory is concerned. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah it, or even Dust, which was a um, right. Middle Eastern character. Right. Yeah, Dust was a character that I was, I was like, I thought was going to be a lot, be a lot more prominent because she's introducing new X-Men, right? Yes, she is. 
in, in Morrison's run. And I, and I thought, I, I thought for sure, like when I heard about her, like, I'm, you know, we're reading wizard or online or whatever. I thought, well, this is a character that, that could, you could get a lot of interesting takes on, you know, that we haven't seen before in comics. And we, it, up until that point, we had definitely hadn't seen any of that kind of that world. At least I hadn't until like, till Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel. But then dust is basically, you know, she's introduced. It's kind of like, it's a cool character, cool power set. And then we really never see her other than in the background for the rest of it. Yeah, she sort of fades in the background as far as their current iteration of X-Men because I don't think they even have approached the character since then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she might be in the, the X-Men Academy stuff. I could be wrong. I think she's in some of those books. I haven't read them, so I don't know for sure, but I think that's where she ends up as a character. She's there for a while. Hmm. Okay. Because it, it, it's one of those things where I remember after, I can't remember which event it was, that was kind of like the book that was supposed to be more of a you know, let's focus on the kids in the school kind of his book. It could be, it could be, it could be, it will have to be after Morrison's run when they establish that it's the Gene Gray Institute, right? And then what they do. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's around that time, I would say, right around those times, like after that Morrison wraps up. And then basically it's, you know, they're definitely trying to, they have a whole influx of brand new students. So, but it's, but again, speaking about, in, you know, about Marvel in general, I think Marvel does a better job than DC has of, of, you know, representation going all the way. I mean, it, the idea of, of, you know, Stan and Jack saying, Hey, let's put a, let's put a character called the black Panther. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. In the middle of the sixties when, when that connotation was, you know, you know, not a good connotation to have. And I then, feel like it was probably more Jack than Stan. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah. No, he I, was, I he was a little more uh, radical at the time, I think. Sure. But I mean, it's the idea that, you know, that and that and probably, you know, one of their number ones, you know, probably I can't I would have to look at sales, but I imagine, it, you know, Fantastic Four at that time was, you know, you're talking. What issue is that? It's like before 50. So it's in the early 40s, I think, or late 40s. And they bring him in and then it's, it's you know, in the first issue, he's he handles all four of them with no problem. You know, and then on top of that, not only is he, you know, an, you know, an amazing superhero and got these cool powers. He's also a king of, of an African, you know, country. That is technology, you know, their technology is far and away more than anything in the rest of the Marvel universe is, is at that time, especially is a ballsy move, you know, to say that at that time to make that statement when, you know, you know, racism, I mean, it's, if it, depending on the time, it might've been before the, the civil rights act. So you're talking, you know, it looks like it's yet. right around the time of civil rights act. It was issue okay. number 52 in okay. 1966. Okay. Yeah. Civil rights. Okay. okay. So yeah. Civil, civil rights act was 64. So then, so. so yeah, so it was right after. So still, I mean, again, you know, it, it's like, you know, it, just because we signed the act doesn't mean everyone's okay with it as we, you know, as history bears out, unfortunately. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things where that at the time was, was a ballsy move. And I, and I think it's one of those things where you don't really have that equivalent at DC at the time. Right. No, not at that no, time. It, at and, at, and I at think- best is what? At best, at best, at, at be- like like who who who's who's the Black Panther like like equivalent in, in at DC in '66? Yeah, it was oh, the, mostly what the. What I'm thinking now, uh, no, but that's years later with uh, Black, Black Lightning. Lightning. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. '70s. Black yeah, Lightning yeah. In the '70s. Uh, John Stewart is early '70s. Early '70s. Say. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's a while. I mean, it's a good you know, it's some time away. But the Black Racer. <laughs> yeah. Bro, yeah. Kirby. But- but that's not till Kirby gets to DC. At that point, yeah. you know, at that point, it's like talking, what, 72, 70, yeah, 74, still maybe? Because he said it, 
you said it was Fantastic Four fifty two, right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so that would mean that they that they have another Tommy has another fifty or so issues before Kirby leaves Marvel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, Black Racer is important or Viking. Isn't he one of the forever people? Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, even, but, right. even, but even those characters don't have the same. They're not, you know. There's no equivalent at DC. No, D, you know, no, DC right. didn't have that. It's not notably. No. Yeah. No, they don't. No, I just like, but going into Black Panther though, I mean, I just think that it, it, it it's so cool to see that at a time when when people were so afraid to make. Uh, a, a big budget action movie with with a black protagonist because they were like it's not going to be successful mm-hmm. and nobody's going to go see it and for Black Panther to be this monster hit that was yeah to me like it's it it's not unlike comparing it to Batman eighty nine when it came out like sure. it was to me it was it was exciting to see Black Panther like merchandise and t shirts and sweatshirts like on people that like like grown men like walking around with this <laughs> right. you know what I mean. Um, you know, and it just like it was just so cool to actually see that happen. I think for a character that 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 you know that I think if you said Black Panther, people would have thought the '60s organization. Right? right now, it's like you know you're thinking the superhero. Sure. Yeah. No. For, yeah. Indelibly now, without yeah. a doubt. I mean, going forward, there's no doubt that you know the idea that, we- that Wakanda is like in pop culture, like known in pop culture. <laughs> Right. But I can I could say Wakanda on the street, right? Right, and and everybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. But that's like that to me. That's that's you know. That, I mean, obviously, that's one of the the biggest. And then of course, the then you know, to me at Marvel, the next one is obviously Luke Cage. Right, Luke Cage is the one that you know sort of comes out of black exploitation, the black exploitation stuff in the seventies, and you know, not that T'Challa is is apologetic for anything about his you know about his his, his personage. Luke Cage is even further where Luke Cage is like, just lets it all hang out. I'm like, this is who I am. <laughs> if, you have, if you have a problem with it, that's your problem. not my problem. You know, yeah. you know, it's, if you, if you read those, you know, it's like, I mean, they almost set him up in, in a, in a, in a, in a Philip Marlowe type esque situation where he's got an office in Harlem and you right. basically <laughs> knock on his door and you, you know, you give him a retainer and he does what, you know, he basically solves your problem. I mean, those are what those early books are like. You know, he basically is, you know, he's the hero of Harlem and if there's anything going on and then, you know, in the origin story of his, you know, he, you find out that he, you know, went to prison and it's a you know wrongful situation and then he gets powers, he gets experimented on and then, you know, he becomes Luke Cage. And it's one of those mm-hmm. things where I think that in particular, that character in particular is one of the ones that, that you know, I, 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 I just think it's, it's definitely a, a, a bit, you know, as big as Black Panther is a statement at the time, Luke Cage is an even bigger one less than 10 years later saying, you know, basically, I'm black and I'm proud. Yeah, he, yeah, he exemplifies black exploitation, in which you have a street level character that resonates with um, uh, people of today, as opposed to let's say Falcon or mm-hmm. Black Goliath or even uh, the Prowler in Spider Man. Yeah, right. this is the one that people can see, even being represented. Uh, he's what six degrees from Shaft, damn near. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then they got you also have Misty Knight come across with that as well during that mm-hmm. same time period. Yeah, daughters of the dragon, right? Right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the same time. I forgot. Yeah, there was a huge um, difference between Marvel and DC as far as representation goes in the seventies, yeah. right? And which they came out with. I mean, hell, you got what Brother Voodoo came out during that same time period as yep. well. Absolutely, Blade. Yeah, I still say one of the most important is Storm. I sure. think you know yeah. Storm. Storm. Storm is. 
I put her though in the category with John Stewart Green Lantern, where it's sort of like like the heyday is a little bit in the past and they're not doing quite as much with the character when there's so much potential over there. And I think back to the, it's a, it's a weird parallel to draw, but like you remember when Marvel and DC did their, like their, their versus crossover, their, their mm-hmm. amalgam stuff in like 96. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. And, and so you had like, like your pair ups, right? So it was like, who, who, who was going to go up against Superman. Right. And it mm-hmm. was like, and then you had like the Hulk, right. Mm-hmm. The one that they paired up against wonder woman was storm. Right. Storm yeah. was the biggest female superhero in Marvel at the time. Sure. You know? And, and I just think from that to, you know, and I was going back and reading like some of the X-Men stuff from like, from, uh, from the book, like from the ashes and everything when she's, you know, uh, fighting Kalisto to like, to, to take mm-hmm. over the Morlocks and stuff like that. Like she was just <laughs> so awesome back then. Right. And it's like, I, I'm hard pressed to think of, really anything in the last couple of years yeah. that, that has sort of like made its way into, into, into sort of like uh mainstream. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's, it's interesting you bring up the Kalisto fight. Cause you know, again, the spoilers um, that Kalisto fight is, is telling for the time because at the time, like you, it was very much like, you know, they've had the fall of mutants and all that stuff is coming up and the characters are, 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 are like starting to like, have to deal with some heavy stuff. Like, for example, you know, you have, they have that fight. He, she and Kalisto fight and she stabs Kalisto in the heart. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 She knows. I mean, the, the thing is, she's like, well, you know, the, the and people are aghast and she's like, what? The healer's right over there. But it was such a move that, you know, even though it, you know, it was quote unquote punk storm, you know, right. it, it was still a move that was not, you know, was not something that you expected from that character because she just wasn't that way. And then another thing about that is right around, I think it's like 202 or 203 is the one where she challenges Cyclops for leadership for of the X-Men. Yeah. Like basically she's tired of, you know, she's tired of Scott effing up and being, you know, can't decide what he wants to do, can't decide where he wants to be. And she's like, fine, let's go. <laughs> and right. they, you know, and they, and they throw down. It's a, it's a great moment in history, but I agree with you. They don't, they don't really, I don't know if it's just, they don't let her do, like they don't know what to do with her or they don't want to do stuff with her or, they're kind of cool having her in the box that she's in. Right. Well, the last pivotal thing that she did that made it monumentous was when she married Black Panther. Yeah. And after that, she really got shoved on the shelf. As yeah, a of, uh, any. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. I wonder if it's just like, like, no, like, is there anybody that just doesn't have like a unique take on her at the moment? You know, could be. I mean, they gave her a solo book that I, you know, I know that was out, but I know, I mean, I haven't, I didn't do a chance to check it out. But she had a solo book for a little bit, and then and she's had like a mini series here and there, but not anything along the lines of. I mean, you know, it's one of those things of, you know, as much as I like her as an X Men, you know, it's when it's one of those things where I think of like when Bendis was putting together New Avengers, why wasn't she mentioned or why wasn't she on the roster? Right. Because I think she would have been like you said, she's a preeminent, especially at that point, she's a very preeminent, you know, female character. At Marvel, people know her out of the comics. They know her from the ninety the ninety two X Men animated. They know her from the X Men movies. Mm. You know, she's a prominent character that, that could have got a big push by being in that book instead of like say Wolverine. Yeah. Well, yeah. We f- funny funny thing to to, to pull out um, when the X Men movie came out, and I was I was really into reading like Roger Ebert reviews at the time. Mm-hmm. And and like he didn't know who the X Men were and everything. And it's just <laughs> funny that you compared you compared her to Wolverine because that's exactly what he did. He's like, I never understood this. 
He's like, he's like the, the woman that can control the weather. Right. Is somehow not as popular as the guy with knives in his hands. Like who cares? Like that's not (laughs) interesting to me. Right. No, I, yeah, I remember there was, there was, it was, it was the weirdest thing was I remember reading the article, an interview, not an interview, but a review of, um, of, uh, X-Men by Stephen Hunter, the, the thriller writer. He was working for the Post at the time, and he was watching the Post, and he was writing um, an interview about it or a review of it. I'm sorry, but talking about the same thing where he was kind of like he didn't he didn't for whatever he couldn't wrap his head around the idea of mutants at all, and didn't understand right. how it was possible that you would control the weather. And I'm like, you're 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 being too literal, guy. It's just yeah. <laughs> just accept the fact you know it's the world that you're in. You know, I mean, these things happen. But I, I I've always you know I agree with you. I think it's one of those things where I, I, I at the moment I guess no one really has you know a unique enough take on her. But I think as a character, there's just so much there that you could do and so much yeah. there that you could, you know, utilize, you know, and the other thing is that she has cachet as a character. You know, but again, getting back to what I was saying before, if you look at, at, at Marvel's representation of characters of color, that's Black Panther, Luke Cage, and Storm. Those are three characters that are not legacy characters at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's another sure. thing that's, they think is again, getting back to my point was I think that's important because you know, if you say, well, there's Luke Cage, you know, and, and even it extends to Falcon, like Falcon was when Falcon, when um, Sam became um, Captain America in the comics, there was another Falcon that came in that was, I think he was uh, Latino, I think. Yeah, he was Hispanic. Yeah. 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 That, that came in. And then the idea of, I mean, that's even rare, the idea of a character of color being their own thing like Falcon and then having someone else and extend their legacy is even rarer, wouldn't you say? No, yeah, yeah, I definitely say that. Usually, they they're usually a side. Well, yeah, they they usually stem from another character, but wholly and solely uh, to have an original character of color is a rare feat in itself. Right. I mean, there's to me, there's of course exceptions. Like I love Mister Terrific, right? And which he's definitely a legacy character, but mm-hmm. he uh, it came from a character that I didn't even care for. Right. Well, no, I, I mean it's one of things where it's like when you say Mister Terrific, I don't think again. I think we we talk about this in another episode. I don't think anyone thinks about Terry Sloan. I mean, you might. Right. Terry Sloan was a golden age of Mr. but I don't think anyone, you know, really thinks about, you know, about that guy at all. I think Mr. is always going to be Michael Holt from here on out. For her until all, so- yeah. Yeah, until someone else takes over that, you know, until something happens or he takes someone else takes on that role. But yeah, no, I mean, I think I think both are important. I think it's important to have original characters that are created that that are, you know, that, that are fulfilling representation in comics. But I do think there is also something powerful about the fact that like that Sam Wilson became Captain America and to see sure. him with sure. the shield, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, which, which oh. I think people are going to lose their minds when they see him suit up. Like I, I am, I am so excited for when that first set leak comes out of him in the Captain <laughs> America costume. I cannot wait for that. Well, no, I know I'm, I agree with you, but I think, I think people are going to lose their minds positively. And I think people, unfortunately are going to lose their minds negatively about that too. Yeah. It's coming. Sure. All of it's coming yeah. all at once. I mean, I, 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 for one, you know, that's one of the, one of my favorite moments in, uh, in Endgame is the fact that, 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 that transition happens that he's given, you know, given the go ahead, given the mm-hmm. blessing and saying like, no, you, you, you could totally do this. I yeah. think that's a great moment. I think it's necessary too. I think it's, it's, it's a moment that should have, you know, should definitely happen, but. You know, unfortunately, I there's just, a I, moment of brilliance in it, too, that I think because for, for comic fans like us, I think, you know, leading up to Endgame and everything, we were all wondering, like, because we, we all knew that Chris Evans was going to have to leave as Captain right. America at some point that he wasn't going right. to be playing the part forever. And we were all thinking, like, 
Well, Bucky becomes Captain America in the books also. Right. 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 But so does Sam Wilson. And it was like when they're both there and they're both close to him. And it was sort of like, who's going to take up the mantle? Like, what's the movie's going to do? And for that scene in Endgame to essentially have Bucky in on it. Right. Right. To, to, to essentially sort of like, like, you know, like he knows to, to right. kind of like, for lack of a better term, like co-sign on it. Be like, no, no, no. It's yours. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> I think it's really, really cool. Yeah. Oh, no. No, I think another character where legacy is important is who we mentioned before, Kamala Khan. Mm-hmm. I think her yeah. being a legacy actually like is is a big part of that story, especially where you know the the Miss Marvel Captain Marvel character has become sort of like the female Captain America in essence. Like her military history is a big part of it. Like she kind of she represents a whole another aspect of American dream, and I think that Kamala Khan then being a legacy to that is kind of a way to be like, this is like, this is America. Like Kamala Khan is America too, because that's part of America. Right. Yeah. And I think the legacy works uh, very well there. Yes. No, I mean, I, I, I you know, I've said plenty of times how much I like Kamala Khan. I think it's a great character. I think they did, you know, it's one of those things where they nailed, you know, that experience of, of wanting to be a superhero and then being able to be one and then being your own thing while at the same time, being a legacy character, I think that's that's great. But it's one of the things where, I, again, when I was thinking about this episode, I, I kept thinking about one name in particular came back came into my mind that I thought, well, this character definitely had a legacy situation going on, and then definitely got shelved, like put aside for for Carol Danvers, and that is Monica Rambeau. Right. Okay. You yeah. Know? I mean, Monica Rambeau was 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 you know she's introduced, and in, I think it's Amazing Spider-Man Annual, like seventeen or nineteen, one of those. But she gets introduced. She's you know she she becomes you know the new new Captain Marvel. Roger Stern takes her and puts her in the Avengers right away. She even steps up at one point. I believe she's leading the Avengers, and then you know she sort of disappears for a while. And then we get Carol Danvers back, and the push is to make Carol Danvers Captain Marvel, which I'm all I'm, I'm fine with. I don't have an issue with it. You know I like Carol. You know they did. You know you could argue that Carol had a lot of stuff done to her character as a disservice. There's a lot of choices that were made with that character that, you know, you know, she can only, the character can only can take so much. A lot of very yeah. awkward choices. Yeah. Very awkward choices. Seventies. Yeah. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that was just odd. She first came on the scene in Amazing Spider-Man annual 16, 16 in 1982. Right. Okay. Yeah. But she, you know, she had, you know, had a, had a, had her, you know, that, that whole book is about her, you know, is her origin story and she gets her powers and then she becomes Captain Marvel and she's Captain Marvel for a while. And it's only until recently, I think, with A Force, where she comes back into prominence. I think she's there, and then um, it's she's in that book, which with uh, where she's not. I'm trying to think. She's changed her name to Spectrum. I think is what she's called now. But you know, and she was also, I think, when they were doing um, the stuff. There's some stuff with the Blue Marvel, which is another character that I don't know enough about. But I think it's it's one of those things where the character was, if I remember correctly, was. Uh, He's African American. He has to basically wear a costume and pretend, you know, basically to pass. You know, he can't. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want people to know. When in, I think it's the fifties, that doesn't want people to know that he's, you know, he's a man of color, and then dealing with the racism and, and everything that comes out. I think when it's revealed that he is. But there was a book with him, and then I think Luke Cage and and uh, Monica Rambeau. But but I, but again, I was thinking about the episode. I was just thinking that again, she's another character. That I think there's a lot you could do with her. And she could have easily still been Captain Marvel. Oh yeah. no, don't yeah, but don't give up on her yet because, uh, according to reports or rumor, 
she's a character that's going to be appearing in the in WandaVision. Okay, yeah, because I know oh, they were interesting. They, yeah, they had cast her because she's in you know Captain Marvel the movie, and then I know that they and then they cast they because she's a, well she's a little girl, right? And that what it is she's the daughter. Yeah, yeah, but they definitely grow her up in uh, WandaVision for right. some reason. Shape yeah. Or form. She becomes a much older character, so yeah, I, I, I yeah, I'm, it's it'll be interesting to see how they play that. But that was one of the ones that, that kept coming back to that I thought she, you know, for a long time she's a pretty prominent character, and then all of a sudden she's not. So, and then like I said, when when they when they bring Carol back in a bigger in a bigger role, she yeah. gets to keep, she gets to be Captain Marvel. So, I th- I think all too quickly sometimes some of these characters can fade away. Uh, which is unfortunate. And and one of the ones that I think we we may be seeing in real time at the moment is, is um, Duke Thomas. Okay. Who yeah. was, uh, who was, who's the signal in the Batman books basically and everything. And he was a character that spun out of we are Robin, which is a very, very fun book that kind of took the Robin concept and, and, and teenagers, you know, street level on in the city were sort of like using it as a mantle for, for good. Right. They were sort of like, like co-opting, the idea of Robin and he was the standout character out of that book and everything so much so that like he, he becomes under Batman's tutelage and everything. And I think, I don't know. I mean, there's just something about it. Like, I mean, he, he had a lot of momentum a, a couple of years back and now I feel like he's only in the outsiders book at the moment right now, which, you know, I have heard good things about, but right. he tends to not pop up in, in a lot of other things. And he's one character that I think, to me, like Robin has always been, it, it would be fun if it was fleshed out more that it was sort of like the mantle that everybody wore starting out when they, when, yeah. when Batman takes you under, right? And everything. And, and one of the things I, I love so much about it is in my head, the idea would be that Tim Drake gives Damien the Robin mantle, right? You're Bruce's mm-hmm. kid. You know, I've had this for a while. It's time for me to step out like Dick did and everything. And I'm going to be my own man and everything. This is why I always thought Tim Drake, it, it was a disservice to just give him Red Robin. He needed to have his sort of own identity, whether or not that's Drake at the moment, you know, we'll see. Right. But I thought that it would be interesting. It would be cool to have Damien sort of do the same thing to Duke. Right. Right. You know, like I've, I've been Robin now and, and cause there's a moment like, like in, in the, in the book, Robin war where, Damien shows back up from mm-hmm. traveling the world and he's like, none of you guys are Robin. I'm Robin. Right. <laughs> right. And it sort of ends the book essentially. But I thought it would be a nice little bit of growth for him to see, to, to kind of be like, no, okay. I see that there is, there, there's good happening with Robin. I'm going to give hit. I'm going to give it to Duke. Right? right. And to see Duke as Robin for a little while and then transition into the signal so he can, Pass the Robin mantle off. I thought would have been a little bit more powerful. I sure. think, right? Plus, sure. also, I mean, you get you get to see Duke run around with Batman more. You know what I mean? And I think that that would make him a little bit more prominent, right? Because in the outside, Outsiders is a team book. You know, in team books, there's always issues sometimes with everybody getting screen time, right? You know, no, you're right. Uh, just like what Frank was saying earlier with X Men. Uh, even though it has a diverse representation, when you put somebody in a team book, you don't get to flesh out their potential of the characters to a greater extent. It's always due to the strength of the team. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm surprised you you pushed that the signal out. I thought you were gonna push towards Bane, in which they never really emphasize his um the Teenex um background. I mean he's mm-hmm. from what, Brazil? Well, 
he's, he's Santa Prisca, like a like a made up like a fictional a made up country. <laughs> yeah, fictional yeah. country. Yeah, made up South American country. Yeah, yeah, but you you, you I mean you can make the assumption that he's um, a South American, you know, in that yeah, regard. Right. I mean, to me, I love how in um, the Young Justice the cartoon, he's um he has an accent, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's Danny Trail. Really, Danny yeah, Trail's yeah. amazing <laughs> as Bane. Yeah. But they play his ethnicity, which adds mm-hmm. so much more to the character as a result of um, just having being um, the weird accent that um, what's his name had in Batman Rise and um, Dark Knight Rises. Um, sure. yeah. <laughs> the Bane voice that everyone loves yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a cool voice, but again, <laughs> it doesn't really tell you where he's from. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, the other thing that I think we should, you know, we haven't really talked about was, you know, in all of this representation was the fact that I, for one, keep hoping Milestone's going to come back. I mean, uh, yeah, we keep getting teased with the idea. Like every so often, I'll see something with Dennis Cohen or you know one of the one of the guys behind Milestone, and I'm like, I'm itching for for those characters again because you, if you've never, you know, it's it's one of those things where one, I'm not, I'm surprised it's still not, you know, those books. I know that that Milestone and DC, you know, had their issues, but it's one of the things where I'm surprised that DC doesn't, just from a business standpoint, doesn't capitalize on the fact that they have these stories ready to go. They can put them into trades. You know, there's yeah. the, whether it be the Long Hot Summer, which was a crossover, or the Superman crossover that they had. You know, the idea that you can't just go into a comic shop and buy these, buy those, these trade, you know, these stories as trades. And I'm talking like Static and Icon and uh, Hardware, Shadow Cabinet, Rocket. Ro- yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You would think also just from the from the sheer fact that Dwayne McDuffie, you know, ha- has gotten so much more notoriety since he's mm-hmm. passed away as sort of like an important creator. Right. Unfortunately, I say I say that, you know, heartbroken a little bit because I don't think that he he I don't he wasn't alive to see like how big his star would shine. No, he was he was it was one of the things where Unlimited, you know, he definitely wrote some of the best episodes of Unlimited for sure. Yeah. And then I think Ben is even like in tribute to him, like Naomi, when they finally revealed her last name, her last name is McDuffie. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of the things where like, you know, people recognize how important he was. And it's even like, I remember the frustration that reading and he was doing, he got Justice League of America. He's finally given that. But because of like crossovers and editorial interference, he didn't really get to tell the stories that he wanted to, which is a shame because again, he wrote arguably some of the best work on, was on Unlimited. Yeah. You know, so much, so much of those episodes are, you know, I, I remember I was always happy with it. You know, I knew a Dwayne McDuffie episode was going to be excellent. Mm-hmm. There yeah, was, I know. Was, me you know, too. So. Yeah, no. He he's he's invaluable to that series. I think I think I think he's the, he's really the the secret ingredient to making that show as special as it became. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I but I to me it was you know that's the thing I'm like I keep hoping and I'm you know that 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 finally it's going to be all right. Where this is this is the, you know we finally have a street date for when these books are coming out because you know I I remember I read all of them. I mean I read mm-hmm. everything they put out and it was you know for a long time that was. You know, the guy that when when you had, like I said, like Dennis Cohen or you had, um, who else? Like Dwayne McDuffie and you had people that were writing those books and drawing those books. They were, they were so consistently good for so long. And then by the end, it just, you know, it, it sort of, I don't know if it just sort of fell apart behind the scenes. What was the issues? Do you remember Tommy from the, from the, um, from Kirkman's show? The the Kirkman show on Netflix in which they um, saw the um, timeline or how milestone came to be? Yes, um, that one. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think specifically because all I can remember is the characters. I, I, I'm not gonna lie; I wasn't as avid a reader of milestone 
Mm -hmm. I just picked it up because of Static, which was definitely the jump out character for that. But I just find it weird how they're not pushing him, even though he had a show that he was mega popular. To me, it's the strongest um, Spider-Man-like character without making it feel like it's Spider-Man. Yeah, we talked about it before. Yeah. Like, you know, Spider Man is like the, when we talk, I think it was in the Teenage uh, Superheroes episode, we talked about Spider Man. But I mean, you you know, you've got your, your you know, there's Static and there's Invincible and there's yeah. uh, Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. You know, those books are trying to capture moments of being, you know, what it's like about being a t- teenage superhero. And they do them really well. Yeah. And Static is one of those great books. I agree with, you know, I, you know, I was, I was probably my two favorites as much as I, you know, I enjoyed Icon because that was, oh yeah, Mark D. Bright was doing Icon, was doing the art on that. Um, but no, I, I mean, the, for me, it was Static. I love Static. Static was my favorite books at the time. And then I loved, I loved uh, Blood Syndicate. Blood Syndicate was a book that was highly diverse and cast, you know, you know, you had a lot, you had, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, from different backgrounds and different ethnicities, you know, basically being, you know, they were basically, a, you know, a gang, but they weren't a gang. Because they were, you know, they were, but they were, it was, I remember it was one of my favorite books out of Milestone, but I read everything. I read them all. But yeah, that's the thing I I keep thinking about when we're talking about, you know, representation, the idea that that as a line should be something that, you know, I would imagine that fandom, you know, would have no problem supporting now more than they did at the time. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, well. That's that's the perfect segue into into starting to wrap up. So so the the last question I was going to ask everybody is like which character out of uh, the batch that we've named or or somebody new that, that you know if there's somebody that hasn't been mentioned who, who do you think ha- is so underutilized that has so much potential that they could carry their own series, carry their own show, you know what have you? Like I can think of one that that is is getting due now. He's getting his due now. But I think could have definitely earlier in history have been gotten more of a push, and that's that's Falcon, because like in the seventies, I mean he was he was a pretty important character. He always got he always got billing on the front of a Captain America comic, especially when Jack Kirby was doing the bicentennial run, which is a lot of great stuff. But I think even at that time in the seventies, when you had you know Luke Cage, you had Blade, you had a bunch of characters that that. Marvel was willing to to frontline that he could have carried his own book at the time. Right. Okay. Can't wait for that Captain America movie. Can't wait <laughs> yeah. for it. No, I know. I'm the same. I'm 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 looking forward to the 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 you know Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think that you know will lay this lay the foundation for that next Captain America movie. I can't wait yeah. for that. I I still I still say um Monica Rambo. I just think she's mm-hmm. got a unique power set. She was unlike anybody else at the time. There's nobody that really has a power set quite like hers. Um, and like I said, she was definitely, you know, she was on a trajectory for great things. And then all of a sudden she got shelved. You know, I think it's, I think it was whoever came on to Avengers after Roger Stern was like, that's great. I don't want to use her in my Avengers team. So I'm not gonna. And then she didn't have, she didn't have her own solo book. She, I don't, she, may, I think she may have a one shot here. I don't think she's even had a mini series, to be honest. So, she showed up in Next Wave, right? Yeah. I think she's in that too, but it's not, you know, it's not the same thing. I think she could, I think right. she could easily headline her own book. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think it'd be something that someone should come along and do. That's what I, that's my vote. Monica okay. Rambeau. Can I do two? Sure. Yeah. Sure. I was thinking Rocket, just because okay. of what she represents as far as um, young teenage uh, African-American girl. Mm-hmm. Right. We've never really seen that push from that perspective as a no. superhero goes. Um, not to say that, um, well, to me, I think it'll be a unique telling 
just because it's not Peter, it's not Miles, you know, right. um, we still haven't seen that type of representation. And then I would like to say a little known one was Echo. Yeah, yeah. Maya okay. Lopez. Yeah. Just because even though she's a, a, a woman of color, we don't really get to see disabled people mm, who no. have a um, disability and can push that as a superpower, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I thought her. I thought her background and her push was extraordinary, and I wish Marvel developed it more, kept it going. Yeah, there was. There's talk of like of Marvel. Um, there's buzz around the idea that they that they want to use her because of something that David Mack had tweeted, I believe. Okay. Yeah, there was a casting rumor that David yeah, Mack put out that they were definitely looking for a woman of color or a, a Native American woman to play a character with Marvel, and they people are speculating that's who they're going to use. Yeah, if they use her, I'd be extraordinary. I, I would love to see that, that character branched out on the, the big screen. Because out of, out of like New Warriors, when you're talking about disabled people, it's you know you had like uh, silhouette. Yes, that mm-hmm. was one that one member that was you know she was definitely you know a member that was disabled, but at the same time she was a contributing member of the New Warriors around that time in the uh, in the '90s, uh, Fabian Nicieza and the Bagley stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. I'm I'm gonna say one that's come up a fair amount today. Uh, Static. Static yeah. was my pick for a long time. Uh, weird to say because it's a character that you know, for goodness' sake, had four seasons of television devoted to him, <laughs> right? right? And every, but I mean, but I still think he's super underutilized. I mean, we talk about how cool and how much uh, Miles Morales has bro- has blown up. Well, I mean, Milestone in DC had Miles Morales twenty years before Miles Morales came out. You know. Sure. Um, I just th- yeah. I think there's so much potential in there. I mean, that that character can so catch fire so yeah. easily. I think if just give it just give it a little bit of a push in a spot where enough people are going to see it and people mm-hmm. people are going to fall in love with him. They really are. That in Night Thrasher. We didn't say Night Thrasher. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Night Thrasher. Yes. We'll do a spotlight on Night Thrasher. <laughs> can't wait <laughs> <laughs> she's night thrash yes all right now nah, i forgot about amanda waller oh yeah oh yeah the wall yeah, i love amanda mm. waller the wall yes. yeah me too yes amanda waller amanda waller is awesome yeah, yes, yes. Great, <laughs> great. Well, yes i mean we'll have to revisit this topic because there's still yeah. you know there's plenty of characters we didn't get to so if we if we yeah. short if we short shifted somebody or short shifted someone a character that you like let us know in the in the in the comment section we did certainly didn't mean to we just yeah. you know got to free talking about stuff and this is where we are absolutely anyway all right so we have one last order business to wrap up um back at the end of our justice league action ducktales viewing challenge episode uh check it out if you haven't listened to it already but frank and i challenge each other to our second viewing challenge so he selected rick and morty for me and i selected cowboy bebop for him so it's been a while but frank and i have finalized our choices and we're going to announce them here so you can follow along at home if you would like. Uh, that episode uh, is going to run on August 19th. So you have until August 19th to watch all the episodes that we're going to list. It's five Cowboy Bebop, five Rick and Morty. Frank, I'll let you go first and and say which ones you picked out for us. Sure, absolutely. So our um, for this challenge, I went with um, for the first season, season one, episode five. Me Seeks and Destroy. Also from Season 1, Episode 6, Rick Potion Number 9. Also from Season 1, Episode 8, Rick's D Minutes. From Season 2, 
Episode 1, A Rickle in Time. Uh, also from Season 2, Episode 4, Total Recall. And that's it. Okay, very cool. So I have from Cowboy Bebop, uh, you know, it's just it's really one season. It just went 26 episodes. But so I picked the first episode, Asteroid Blues, uh, episode five, Ballad of Fallen Angels, episode 11, Toys in the Attic, number 15, My Funny Valentine and 16, uh, Black Dog Serenade. So um, like I said, so you guys have until August 19th when this episode will be released. Uh, don't forget, also, we take topic suggestions. So if you have something you'd like us to discuss, tell us in the comments as well. Also, you'll find notes and links to all of our past episodes on letmenowhowitis.com. There you can find a link to our YouTube channel as well. We'd appreciate it if you would subscribe there also. Uh, and finally, don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash letmenowhowitis and follow us on Twitter at our show's initials, L-M-K-H-I-I. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see you next week.